0: Welcome, everybody, to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, double dipping, actually, all week long. Mm-hmm. Double dipping right here on Sports Radio 610 because I'll be doing four hours with Seth Payne in the morning because my man Sean Pendergast is on his honeymoon. He is, well, they took a little detour. It's still a, it's
1: still a honeymoon.
0: It's still honeymoon. He's yes. going to get to basically two yes. time
1: his honeymoon. That's awesome. Yeah,
0: he's just doing it in California. Um, so you hear me from six to ten and throughout the week we'll be we doing Texas All Access. Uh no Mark Vandermeer. Yeah. So he is out and about. So that voice you hear, you know that voice. My man Drew Doherty. Drew, how are you doing?
1: I'm great. Uh I was enjoying some of Sean's pictures on Twitter. You know, he, <laughs> he saw the good. seals and there was a medical uh-huh. emergency there down in San Diego. I know he started, I think, in the wine country, so Yeah, I, yeah nice... I think it
0: started up in, in the wine country. It was funny because I he and I were texting back and forth about uh about his wedding because he had asked me, like, you going to go? I was like, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And then my daughter had this festival in which her movie was up for awards. She was up for awards. We had to go to Dallas. That was a couple weekends ago. And so I wasn't able to go. So we were kind of trading texts, and I, I was telling him that, and I hated not being there. And he said, no, man, I totally understand. He goes, honeymoon's probably going to cancel anyways. You know, coronavirus thing. It's hitting Italy. I don't know what we're doing. Hey, nice little save. He, yeah. he mentioned something about going to the Nugget in Louisiana. He was like, you know, Amy and I will do that. Uh <laughs>
1: Which They do been, that a lot. This is something different.
0: This is something a little different. So yeah. he's he's having, uh, he's having some fun, but he is out on his honeymoon. Seth was out last week, so he was back today. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of fun jumping in the studio with him. So I appreciate those guys. But we will have you going for Texans All Access tonight. Titans Amy is going to join us later in the show. She joined DP Sidhu in uh, Indianapolis. Talk about the, the uh, Titans, what they've got going on, what they're looking forward to. Obviously, they've got to make... Decisions on Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry and Jack Conklin. That's a big one nobody's really talked about is Jack Conklin. Right. More than likely not going back to Tennessee. Those are three huge cogs. I think they'll somehow bring two back. I think if – I don't know, man. I don't know. I would say if you're smart, you'd bring back this guy, this guy, this guy. But I know it's hard to pick between those three. I think all of them are very important. I think some people say, well, you got your left tackle, Terry on But I think we've seen, Drew, and when you don't have both oh, it tackles,
1: matters, yeah.
0: right. It matters.
1: We're, you and I were doing a thing today – and it's going to come out over the course of the next few months, a film room. Yeah. But you're pointing out we're, we're, we're breaking down a play, and it was the touchdown by Kenny Stills to start the season off in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And you were pointing out, Chantrell Henderson, the right tackle, mm-hmm. and Sunil Kelamete, I mean, yeah. that week one offensive line, even though you had Tunsell in there and you had uh, Nick Martin in there, you had a lot of different faces. Yeah, you I didn't mean, have your two rookies in there. You didn't have the two rookies in there, and Zach Fulton, was he, he did play, but – yeah, there are a lot of different different faces. So it's gonna be interesting to see what faces remain here on yeah. the offensive line because I think there will there might be a new one. So we'll yeah. see.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be the over the next week as we start moving towards the end of the league year. That'll happen next week, and then we'll get into once the new league year hits. Well, before the new year league hits, you've got the tampering period. And then it changes, and then guys can sign contracts. Trades can be consummated, in particular, A.J. Boye trade going to the Denver Broncos. So it's going to go fast and furious over the next uh, the next 10 days, 10, 12 days. It's going to be flying, flying. But Titans Amy joined DB at the combine to talk about what Tennessee's looking at. Right. And, Drew, I want to start there first, because we have plenty to do with you and I. Mm-hmm. But... This news out today, a joint statement from the three owners of the AFC South. The Houston, Texas, Indianapolis Colts, and Jacksonville Jaguars are supporting their fellow AFC South division member, the Tennessee Titans, and the Community Foundation of Middle Tennessee, CFMT, with a $1,000 joint donation following destructive tornadoes and severe storms that hit the Middle Tennessee area earlier this week. Titans are directing donations to CFMT to support the affected communities and Nonprofits that are both providing both uh, immediate and long-term services to survivors and all those affected. Said Texas Chairman and CEO Cal McNair, "The Houston Texans, our city, have the residents of Nashville in our thoughts and prayers during this incredibly difficult time. We also have come together with our AFC South family, the Colts and Jags, and the Jags to make a contribution of $100,000 to the CMFT to help with ongoing relief and recovery efforts in the Music City. So many NFL partners, including." including Amy, Adams Strunk, and the Tennessee Titans answered a call to help in our city's recovery following, following Hurricane Harvey, and we are grateful to be able to help them and the community with their time of need. Yeah, 100K. This is, one of the cool, this is one of the cool things, I think, about the NFL is that, yes, each and every Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whatever. Foes, there are a lot of times we say in the sports hate, hate, hate the Titans, can't stand them, sports hate, but when it really comes down to it, we're all... We're you know, human beings that need help at certain times. We need it at seventeen. They helped us out. We're obviously trying to repay that favor in some sense with the hurt, with the uh, tornadoes that hit the other night. So it's really cool.
1: Yeah, you know, it's something we've seen throughout not just, you know, Hurricane Harvey right. back when when uh when David Questenberry was going through his yes. his fight with lymphoma, you saw a lot of teams wearing David Strong yes. T shirts and then the Texans were wearing Chuck Strong stuff back when uh, uh, Chuck, Chuck Pagano yeah. was going through it when he was with the Colts and then you know, the Titans made a big donation, I think about a million dollars, to J.J. Watt's fund yep. during the hurricane. Yep. So, yeah, it, it kind of goes around and you see, see people, hey, when we were stranded in Dallas, Cowboys yeah. opened their arms, opened their yep. facilities to us. We were able to do a lot of things. So it's kind of par for the course and yeah. really not surprising in a really nice way to see.
0: Yeah, it is, it's really cool. And to see the, the division opponents, the ones you know the most, mm-hmm. the ones you see the most. Stepping up to give to one another, uh, I think is I think it's really cool because a lot of times you know, we talk about different things and you're like, oh, well, you'll never make a trade in the division. Uh, you don't like those guys Can you play them twice a year. And when you step back from it and you realize, you know, humanity helping humanity, mm-hmm. and that's that's really what this turns into. So that was that was really cool news. But Drew, I would love to get into this. You each and every year, and I I love doing this because this. <laughs> it's, it's a fun exercise for me to go through just with the work that I do on the draft. Yeah. But you put together what's called a mock draft survey. Mm-hmm. Now, what makes your job very difficult over the next couple of years is the fact that most mock drafts go one round deep. Sure. 32 picks. Away you go. Now, obviously, over the next couple of years, Texans don't have first round picks. But there are some enterprising sorts that go a few rounds deep. There are a few out there that go all seven rounds. Savages. Yeah, very much so. And there's some, most of them that do multi-rounds. They go through three rounds. Yeah. Now, they don't have the compensatory picks. Some of them do. Some of them don't. Some project that. Some don't. And the Texans, that. That should be coming out relatively soon. What it, compensatory picks are coming out?
1: I thought it would have come out last week. And I thought usually, so too. you know, it, it usually comes out right before the combine. Yeah. So, it should be coming out any day now. And Texans probably going to get a few few comp picks. But it's like you said, everybody does a mock draft, not as many people do multi-round mock drafts. I'm at a dozen right now, like reputable ones. Yes. Guys that, guys and gals that have been around for a while that, you know, they're with a company or, or an outlet or publication that sort of has has a uh, you know a good following, a good background, a good resume. Because right. a lot of people just pump out mock drafts, and you don't know if it's just some dude. Right. <laughs> it's some dude. So yeah. there's a dozen right now. And right. the majority of them last week, in this last version of it, yeah. the third version I've done, they've got the Texans going with a corner. Eight of the 12 have the Texans going with a corner. But the most commonly picked player was a running back. LSU running back, Clyde edwards so, uh Or is it Hilaire? Hilaire, Hilaire, yeah. 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 I, I see it and because I, I know a little bit of Spanish, and I think El Aire. So <laughs> I think it would be cool they to get that guy. You change it to if cook. you'd
0: like. El aire, I mean, Joe Theismann changed his name. He was Theismann when he got mm-hmm. to Notre Dame, and then he was, you know, Theismann rhymed with Heisman. Even though he so, didn't win it, it made some sense. If
1: a couple things. I kind of would be surprised if the Texans were to go running back with that first, I, the 57th overall pick.
0: I would be, too in that I do think there is depth in this draft. I do think the Texans will draft a running back. I do think they will do that. You and I have talked about this a little bit. So many we, of them. There's so many different types. Yeah, there's so many different types. And already on campus, I mean, you got Duke Johnson. You don't know what's going to happen with Carlos Hyde. But if you use Austin Eckler's deal as a guide, now Eckler's um, not quite the size of Hyde, a little younger. And he caught the ball a lot. I can't remember. His number for receptions was insane. I can't Mm -hmm. remember. And he signed a four-year deal with the Chargers. He got that done. And considering Austin Eckler was a $5,000 signing as an undrafted free agent, it's amazing to see him. So congratulations to him. But
1: That's like a mid-round baseball draftee. Yeah. I mean, that's nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. So Austin Eckler's getting some ice. So...
0: it may give you know, Carlos Hyde a baseline for what he's looking for with this contract. I, who's to say? But Karan Higdon is a guy that we talked about. It's on the practice squad. He's right on the practice squad, and a guy that they would think about. Clyde Edwards-Helaire is, I think, he's about as tall as your twins. <laughs> I mean, he's tiny, tiny. I mean, Marie may look him eye to eye.
1: Right. And my twins are six years old, by the way. Yeah. For those of you those that didn't know that he's
0: he's a absolute dude. Mm -hmm. and I... He can do lots of things. The one thing, you you and I talked about this, whenever we had a game in which we were going to face Darren Sproles, each of us were like... You hold your breath.
1: He's a hold your breath. Darren Sproles was a hold your breath player.
0: And that's, when I watch him, that's the way I feel. I -hmm. feel that way about Clyde Edwards-Dillard.
1: And I'm okay with that. If you add a a hold your breath guy to your team, I'm okay if it comes at the expense of... A corner, yeah, or a pass rusher.
0: I, I am too, and I and I feel like he's that. I he's gonna be Harris 100. Just continuing to work through it. I mm-hmm. think we're gonna do one posting of the Harris 100, so it may not come out for for a few weeks. But I've got guys slotted where I I pretty much know they're gonna go, and mm-hmm. I've got him as I got him as a late first. I think he's number
1: thirty or thirty one. So he wouldn't he wouldn't last. You know, you what? don't think he would last.
0: That's the thing. I I don't think he will get there. But you know, the drafting is kind of tricky. Yeah. And all of a sudden, a team a team makes a pick, and you go, whoa. And then all it takes is one other team to have kind of a wacky pick, too. And then all of a sudden, it sort of snowballs, and it's like, wait a second. How in the heck did Justin Reed get the third round? Right. You know what I mean? It's, right, he, changes things,
1: wanna, the chemistry goes things. away. Yeah.
0: Here's what I thought interesting. I went back and I looked at your previous, previous mock draft survey. Because you said corner was the most often predicted position, right? Yes, in this one. In, in that one, yeah. And the, but the running back Clyde edwards E'Laire, was the name most mentioned. Yeah, I found it interesting that in uh, your second mock draft survey, it was actually edge rusher that was the most off uh, most often named position. And
1: then they weren't even named in
0: this one. And yeah, and it wasn't, which is kind of bizarre to me. Yeah, they didn't. The Texans didn't really do anything that would I think precipitate sort of a change. I mean, maybe some of it had to do with how guys did the combine and maybe the, the fit, but Curtis Weaver, the outside linebacker slash defensive end from out of Boise State, listed here in mock draft survey number two, that to me is more of a not only a fit, mm-hmm. but it feels like that's where he'll go in this particular draft, more so than Clyde edwards mm-hmm. going at number 57. So it's almost like mock draft survey number two, to me, is almost closer than what number three is going to
1: be. Well, these things rarely are right. I mean, last year, the, <laughs> True. in the very final mock draft survey, uh-huh. two guys out of about 50 to 60 p- correctly predicted Titus Howard to the Texans. Right. Now, that was a massive surprise. Nobody nobody really had him going there. The only two that had him going there were a guy named Manish Mehta from, oh, New, yeah, York, from New York, Daily News, mm-hmm. and then uh, Maurice Jones-Drew of NFL.com. But his mock draft was from February. I mean, he hadn't done anything to update it. He just kind of threw it out there in February, and he had Titus Howard going to the Texans because Titus Howard had looked solid at the Senior Bowl and done nice things. So Jones, so two guys out of about fifty to sixty, correctly predict, predicted that when Deshaun Watson was picked that year, mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes was the most mocked player to the Texans, and that's wow. with the Texans sitting in the twenties, you know, not moving up to do it, and he went ahead of Watson. You know, he's right there when he was picked. it's wild how these things never really shake out and are never really accurate.
0: Yeah, it's that's so true. And and I and I do one. I've had an where I'll do one near near the draft. And it really isn't so much as an indication of a particular player. When I think about a player that I show in the Harris one hundred, but it's more about well, you some think the of teams are gonna do yeah. yeah what the teams are going to do, what the team's needs are, how you kind of put together needs with best available, all that kind of stuff. And then also just listening. Yeah. And sometimes at the Senior Bowl, just keeping your eyes, whoa, okay. I didn't hear that. You know, just talking to different people. Sure, sure. You know, hearing from scouts, you know, pro day, just kind of – one pro day I went to, I think it was A&M. And I just happened to be talking to one of our scouts and was talking to him, and we were just kind of we just kind of watching. We chit-chat a lot. And over to my right, two scouts, one Bears and one other one, just having, you know, a discussion – you can overhear it. I mean, they're right next to you, and you hear them talk about different players. And I remembered the the scout mentioned somebody, and I was like, hmm, interesting. And then they drafted that particular hmm. player. So I'm like, you know, you never know what you can hear, but that to me is kind of what's what's in in that particular mock draft. Are you are you going to ms pro day this year? I know you're going to LSU's. So, yeah. but I'm planning on it. And yeah. I'm planning on going to LSU's because I just there's a lot. They got so this, many guys. guys. It's almost like the percentage of players that they have and I think there's, there's a guy in particular I think the Texans will look at because you think about smart, tough, dependable, a guy that does all the little things. Rashard Lawrence is not a guy I would be in my Harris 100. But whenever I watched him at LSU, man, he did some really good things. Now, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. I've watched probably, I don't know, three or four games. Mm-hmm. Every player, the three or four games. And I see him do, do some really good things, and I'm like, eh. But I see him as a guy that would fit very well in the locker room was a captain at LSU, right? has that kind of mentality, went back as a senior at LSU. I just think that would be a really good spot. But I just think LSU's. there's somebody at LSU, I think, that's going to end up with this roster. So, you know Yeah, what? why not? Let's go down and get in the circus, because I think Joe's going to throw that day, I believe.
1: <laughs> I believe he's going to throw. We had fun there in 2014. You yeah. had Landry, and you had Beckham. That- then you had Burger. Mettenberg. I mean, they had, wow. had a lot of guys at that one. Yeah. That was a fun one.
0: That wow. had to be a very, very fun one. Alfred
1: Blue. Do you have any thought mock draft survey number four? It's going I'm gonna wait a little while. You, there's Probably just these guys. Got they got recycle. It's be fruitless because you know a lot of people that. I mean, just nobody does a, a multi round. Right. There's so many, so few of them. So I'm, I'm curious. So long process. I'm curious to see how many for the final mock draft I do there are. I would guess maybe twenty. Multi-round draft, so we'll see. I'm going to do one probably at the start of April.
0: You know what I should do? You know what I'm thinking of doing? Huh. You know what I'll do on this one? I think I'm going to do a mock draft all the way up through pick 56 mm-hmm. and then see who I have on the board and then see what options would be best if 57. Like, not make the pick, mm-hmm. but get all the way there and see who's still on the board at that point and who would make the most sense. And, of course, you got to take into all free agency. Mm-hmm. What happens is new league year starts, who gets re-signed, all that kind of stuff. So, Drew, this is excellent stuff. I read this. Every single time you put it out, man, I appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much. I mean, it's all, it's like throwing at a dartboard in a lot True. of ways, but it's fun to see where the, you know, who's whose dartboard looks like what. <laughs> yeah, because exactly. You kind of learn about other players that you wind up knowing about once the uh, the games get going in the fall. So yeah. I, I like it. I like it. Enjoy it. Yeah, it definitely
0: helps, especially in the preseason. No mm-hmm. doubt about that. Drew, you're the best, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Coming up next, Titans Amy. Amy Wells is going to join DP to talk a little bit about the Titans and what they've got rolling in 2020 in the AFC South. That next on Texans all Access. We're getting it done on a Monday edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you. I'll be with you all week as Mark gets some r on spring break. It's Mark's spring break, I guess, as it'll be mine next week, I guess. So we've got you covered, and we gave you that news earlier about the AFC South coming together to help our friends in Nashville, Tennessee, and when we are at the Combine, Our good friend D.P. Sidhu caught up with one of Tennessee's finest. You know her as Titans Amy. We know her as Amy Wells, team reporter for the Tennessee Titans, and she is fantastic at what she does. She she sat down at the combine with D.P. Sidhu, and they started talking about last year's draft that was actually held in nashville and what that meant to the city
2: when you look back at how i mean i heard very good things about the nfl draft in nashville it looked like a lot of fun on tv It just seemed like i mean minus the bachelorette parties that were that were <laughs> not informed that there were going to be all these people <laughs> descending on nashville it seemed like it was a, a big hit do you foresee any other big events happening in nashville throughout the year
3: oh absolutely i mean first off Someone in Las Vegas should take note of what happened to the poor bachelorettes in Nashville. This is true. This maybe is be an maybe issue. Maybe send out, like, a press release because <laughs> I think if Nashville's number one for bachelorette parties, Vegas is probably number two. Um, but I would agree. it was yeah. such a cool event. It was incredible to see the people that came out. There were 600,000 people in Nashville for this event, and we, we kind and of— And they were just in this—they
2: were on Broadway,
3: They right? were on in Broadway, yep. So yeah. they shut the street down. They're packed in there. The pictures are incredible. Right. We all, after that draft was over— um, our owner, Amy Adams Strunk had pictures printed for all of us of downtown Broadway, just full of people. And we all have them in our offices because it was just such, a, I'm getting goosebumps. It was just such a cool thing to see our city being represented so well. Um, in terms of future things, yes, yes, yes. So many things. Nashville has kind of been able to put themselves on the map and say, um, hey, we can actually host something of this magnitude and do it really well, um. Do you think a
2: Super Bowl ever make it to Nashville?
3: I think the conversations are starting to kind of brew that, hey, this is a city that could sustain something like that. Our stadium is out of date, so there would definitely need to be a lot of stadium renovations that happen, and I know that that's something that's constantly being talked about. And, I mean, they don't invite me to those meetings. You're not invited Yeah, I'm not invited. They They don't don't want to see my sketches. They they don't invite me
2: to anything that involves a budget either because I would be like, oh, it's unlimited money, right? It's not my money. Let's change everything. Let's fix it all.
3: Right, exactly. So there are definitely some changes that would have to be made just to update the stadium a little bit and accommodate for the volume of people that is required for a Super Bowl but I think in terms of the city and the infrastructure of Nashville during the draft we showed that that's very uh, it's very easy for us to accommodate something of that magnitude and I mean Nashville's bidding to be a city when the World Cup comes to the U.S. and Nashville is talking about maybe hosting the draft again at some point and they've talked about I mean we've got Final Four there's all these things that are always kind of swirling about. Nashville's really becoming a sports town, which is really a cool thing because it for the longest time was just kind of the small city in the middle of Tennessee and now it's really on the map and it's been really fun to kind of be a part of that growth.
2: It, it's been a lot of fun. Actually, I, we go there every year, obviously, the, te- the Texans and the Titans being in the same division between the music, the food, and, and now the sports town because there's always a hockey game or something else going on when we're there during football season. It, it's a fun city to visit. Let's talk about the Titans because the season – really turned around in a way that nobody expected. That was wild, right? Ryan Tannehill, I mean, everyone thought Mariota's the guy. Then, then Tannehill comes in and turns the team around. Mike Vrabel uh, leads the team to a win over the Patriots as a wild card team. And I know the Texans and the Titans faced off twice in very close proximity to the end of the season. But when you look back at the 2019 season and now this off season, it seems like I'm hearing a lot of questions about Tannehill and Derrick Henry. And it's, it, you know, what, what is your perception of what this off season is going to look like for the Titans?
3: This off season is so interesting to me because the conversations I've had just being in this space here at the combine with everybody who is very intimately aware of what, NFL teams kind of look like and what a typical air quotes offseason looks like it's not very often you go to the AFC championship game and then have 21 guys that are not under contract that off season, right
2: you'd so, want to bring back the same group of guys just right. to get to the next level but and it that's seems usually like how it happens there's a lot of questions right
3: we've got just It's kind of how the calendar fell. You know, you get to the point where there's a lot of guys who are just up for free agency, and there's only so much money to go around, and you've got to kind of pick your spots. And unfortunately, when you have a really good roster, one of the best problems that you can have is that you can't keep all of the really good players because you have to pay the really good players. Sure, sure. And so as it sits right now, I think free agency is our next big landmark because once we figure out, okay, this is what's happening with Ryan Tannehill and the quarterbacks. This is what's happening with Derrick Henry and the running backs. This is what's happening with Jack Conklin and our offensive line. This is what's happening with Logan Ryan and our secondary. Once we kind of know which pieces are staying, you then know – where you're going to be investing some of your time and resources to plug up those holes with the guys that you unfortunately can't keep. Um, So it's a big puzzle piece. It's a big puzzle consisting of a lot of different pieces that are all moving around, but golly, I mean, this is a great problem to have. So much of our coaching staff is staying intact, which is so great. Mm -hmm. Um, Having that consistency and being with the same group for now three years Um, the Titans historically have had a lot of turnover in coaches. They just have. I mean, Marcus Mariota had like four different offensive coordinators in his time with the Titans. So to be able to have that consistency and a bunch of guys who have had success and have seen the fruits of their labor this season and know that what they're doing is working, now they need to find the guys who can plug into that. It's really exciting to have that, that consistency in that way so even though the roster is going to look really different in 2020 i think the mindset and the way that the team operates is going to be very similar to what we saw in 2019 and that's really exciting
2: when you look at ryan Tannehill, obviously he's a different quarterback from mariota but let's just say if the titans want to add to that quarterback room this off season, What are some characteristics you think that they would look at in a quarterback? What are some of the things that Mike Vrabel and and Pat – Uh, Pat O'Hara, right? He's still the quarterback's Mm -hmm. coach there uh, that they're looking at. Because are they, you know, was it something that Ryan Tannehill, they sort of adjusted the offense to fit his skill set? Or was he just so well-suited for that offense that he just fit right where he needed to be?
3: He was very well-suited for the offense. So when it became clear that a change needed to be made, he slipped right in. They didn't have to do anything different for him because he was so aware of how this offense worked, and it worked to his skill set. I think that that was intentional in bringing Ryan in was finding a guy who had similar strengths to Marcus, who's a veteran guy, so he's really smart. He's a great leader. Um, those were some of the things that they were looking for. Someone who – I mean, sometimes you get a backup who comes in and you've got to throw the book out and just start Yeah, the Texans with have done guy. that many, many, yeah. many, many times. <laughs> right. Many, many times. And so it was <laughs> – A big point to make sure that the Titans didn't have to do that. And so when – I mean, nobody thought that this change was going to happen. When we were in training camp 2019, Marcus Mariota is the guy. Like, there was no smoke and mirrors regarding that. He was the guy. And he was the guy until that change was made.
2: Well, it did seem like 2019 was going to be a big decision year for Mm -hmm. Mariota. And I think we all saw that. But nobody thought that Ryan Tannehill would be able to – you know, I talked to Jim Wyatt, who works with you over there with right. the Titans, and he said, "Well, I'd be I'd be lying if I said in training camp I thought, yes, Ryan Tannehill is going to be the guy that leads us to the AFC Championship game, right? But the fact that he would he was able to turn his career around after being with the Dolphins and not really having the sort of success that he had, like at Texas a And M, is really a testament to how well he he did fit in,
3: absolutely. There. And he, I mean. I had never had the opportunity to meet him before he came to the Titans. He's a good guy. He's kind of a quiet guy. He just kind of goes about his business. He's not a super flashy kind of Mm -hmm. trying to get all this attention and do all these different things. He's just a guy doing his job, and he really enjoys playing football. So I think that meshed really well with Marcus. So the two got along really well. In the room, they were able to work together. Marcus was able to learn from him and his experience a little bit. So then when that transition came – Ryan had enough of a cerebral idea of what this offense is, looks like and what needs to be done and how it works. So he was able to slip in. And I think one of the most underrated things about that is not only the way that Marcus handled it, which was just like a true pro, but also the way that Ryan handled it in that he didn't just jump up and say, I'm the captain now. This is my ship. Here we go. He kind of eased into it too, and let some of the leaders on offense kind of rally the troops. And that—I mean—Marcus is still one of our team captains, right? And so, kind of let people fall into a natural roles within having a new guy under center. You know, it changes the dynamic a little bit. Right. But he kind of worked his way into being the leader of the offense. And so, by the end of the regular season, as we're going into the postseason, he's kind of hitting his stride as the leader of this team and the guy who pulls everyone together and he became more of a vocal rah rah kind of guy. Hmm. But he didn't do that right away out of respect for the transition that was being made and I think for Marcus and not wanting to force himself on the other guys on offense who have been playing pretty well, you know? So it was an interesting thing to be a part of. I had never been a part of something like that in my career, just seeing a change happen mid season and knowing how big it was going to be for this entire team, the ramifications of that move. And it was – I was very proud of the guys that we had in our locker room during that time to be able to pull something like that off and then have the success that they had. That was such a fun byproduct of it. I, I don't know if
2: Texans fans would call it fun, but it was <laughs> it was interesting, and I think it was a little stressful seeing that two sell I mean, this division went from – worst uh, in the league to you know two teams making it out of the division and it was neck and neck uh, in that month of December it seemed like even in November when the Texans played the Colts and and the Titans were going back and forth I remember the Titans and the the Colts are playing and and we were (laughs) we were thinking Who do we root against because these are both going to be big contenders as the season goes on. Let me ask you, we've talked about off-season questions as far as so many players becoming free agents, but here we are at the NFL Combine. I know you're covering a lot of these prospects out here, but when you look at the biggest team needs heading into 2020. What do you think they might be? And, and if you had a crystal ball, what are some of the position groups you think that the Titans will be looking at?
3: My coworkers will laugh at me because every single year I say the same thing. I am a defense nerd. I love them. I like the big guys that hit people. And every year I'm like, I want an edge rusher. And they're like, <laughs> well, we've got – this guy and this guy. And I'm like, I, I want, want more, more. <laughs> so, I want more pass rushers. Yes. But, and I think it's really s- kind of serious this year. The but tit- you can
2: never have too many. You Romeo nev- Cornell had, had right. once said that. you can have, Was it Romeo Cornell or Wade Phillips? One of them had said, yep. you can never have too many good pass rushers. Right.
3: You can never have too many pass rushers. And we need big guys. We need girth. Uh, the Titans have always been a team that they line up and you go, Hmm. and they're so athletic and they're so talented and what they were able to do in Dean Pease's defense was, I mean, Dean is so smart and the way that he was able to manipulate the defense and really move guys around to do a bunch of different things and um, I think with Mike Vrabel getting more involved in the defense this year and that side of the ball specifically, I think that things are going to be just as creative and just as kind of um, formational, Um, but I think I think that the more muscle you can have and the more just, like, strong, big, heavy people to kind of just take up space, sure, the better it can be. So I think that that's going to be a big position of need for the Tennessee Titans. And then you're always looking at wide receivers. You're always looking at guys who get – I mean, we've got A.J. Brown, who's great. Adam Humphreys will I be mean, coming back. Did A.J.
2: Brown surpass everyone's expectations from what he was able to do last year? Because when I saw him play – I thought this guy is really special. I can't believe other teams passed on him.
3: I think he surpassed everyone's expectations except for his own. And I think yeah. that he's going Im- to
2: be a force in the AFC South. The for amount sure.
3: of things that he was able to accomplish his rookie year was just remarkable. I'm a little salty that he didn't get rookie of the year. I'll go down swinging. <laughs> that he deserved it.
2: He's going to get his accolades, I think. Yeah, I think he'll for be sure. all
3: right. But. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, too. He puts in the work. He puts in the time. He really wants to learn from the people around him. And he's kind of a quieter dude who just kind of listens to everyone around, takes it in, asks a lot of questions. And so I think the other guys in the room really respect that about him, that he didn't come in with all the records that he broke at Ole Miss and everything like that Mm -hmm. and kind of say, well, I'm in the NFL now. He he really kind of wanted to learn and wanted to understand. And as a result of that, he's been so successful and – Having a full off season under him and a chance to really work out and perfect his craft, I'm excited to see what he does in year two.
2: All right. So Mike Vrabel, it's going to be year three for him, right, as a mm-hmm. head coach. Yep. Obviously, the Texans, we know very well what Mike Vrabel is like as a position coach, as a defensive coordinator. You've seen him now as a head coach, and, and we've seen him from afar. But where do you think you've seen the most growth? How much has he changed from his first year as head coach to now?
3: He's more comfortable in his Mike Vrabelness, if that makes sense. I always thought he was very comfortable, <laughs> yeah, well, but yes. And uh-huh. that's what's so funny. I mean, <laughs> he is very much himself. He wants to do things his way. He's not concerned about really what anybody thinks about what he's doing, but he's a lot more confident in his presence, whether it's in front of the team, whether it's in front of the media, whether it's at practice, kind of running different things. And. I mean, the man practices just as much as any player on that field. He's got pads on. He's running down the field. I think he's he enjoys that. And working with yeah. guys, he does. He's a very hands-on coach, mm-hmm. and I think that year after year we see him settle into this place where it's kind of the, okay, I know how to do this. So let's, let's continue on. You know, he's very confident in the direction he wants to take this team. He's very confident in the way that he interacts with people. He's. A, the level of confidence, and he's always been a pretty confident guy. Yes. But seeing it change from year to year to year, just watching him kind of work through the radio row area. and Well, he said hello to all, all, all of
2: us jokingly. Like, I mean, he's, he's, he's having a he's time very of his life. He's very approachable.
0: Amy mentioned earlier in the interview about <laughs> 21 players that the Titans have got to decide on what's going to happen. And the three main ones being Derek Henry, Jack Conklin and Ryan Tannehill, what they do with those three particular players is going to impact that offense, no question. We'll obviously talk about that all the way through the next couple of weeks because what they do is going to have a huge domino effect not only throughout the AFC South but through the AFC and the NFL. So keep an eye on what the Titans are doing in the offseason. Okay, we go around the league next even though we are approaching the end of the league year, plenty of things happening in this league, and I will touch on all of them next right here on Texans All Access. We've got one final segment of this evening's Texans All Access from the Texans Radio Studio. And finally, my last segment of the day. Had four hours worth this morning with Seth Payne. Big ups to Seth for having me on and really appreciate Uh, The time I got a chance, that was really fun, and we got four more days of it. So we're looking forward to that. Big thanks to DP and to Amy Wells and, of course, to Drew for stopping by. It's time to go around the NFL, and there's plenty of action. And let's start in Buffalo, where the Buffalo Bills agreed to a deal with Josh Norman for $6 million, a one-year deal. $6 $6 million. I know people are thinking, wait a second. I thought you couldn't sign anybody till the beginning of the new league year. If a player has been waived or cut or is on the street, as they would say, right now that player can sign anywhere for any amount of money at any time. Josh Norman has done that. The Texans did that with Sean Gibson last year. They signed him before they got to the new league year because he had been waived as a cap casualty from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Norman, that in Washington – one-year deal, up to eight million. Signed for six, can get incentives up to eight. And the corners are the uh, Bills looking for a corner opposite of Tre'Davious White. Now, if the Bills are getting the Josh Norman of four years ago that we saw in Carolina 2015, that'd be one thing. But that's why they're only playing. They're paying six million dollars for a guy you're hoping can get himself back uh, into that sort of form. But it, it's been a while. He has not played exceedingly well since he joined Washington. I think the first year in Washington was okay. I think he, the next two years, eh, not so good. Uh, of course, the Texans played the Redskins in 2018, did what they wanted to. wasn't as if Norman was shutting down one side of the field like he did in 2015 against the Texans. But Josh Norman goes to the Buffalo Bills. I think it's a good move for the Bills. I don't know if there's a whole lot. You can be disappointed about there if you're Josh Norman. I think if you're the Buffalo Bills, eh, you try it out for size. They did that with Kevin Johnson at a very, very, very low cost. I think he played he played well for them. I don't know if I'd say he was back to his 2015, 2016 form like he was with the Texans, but good enough. So you add Josh Norman to the mix. Uh, Kevin, I think, was a one-year deal. So Norman steps in, and uh, they'll see what they have. I don't think anything's guaranteed there, so away you go. Austin Eckler who I, Drew and I were talking about in the first segment, signed for $5,000 as an undrafted free agent. He then signed in uh, 2017, I believe, 2017, 18, 19, uh, 2016. He is now going to make $24.5 million over the next four years. Yeah, he signed in 17 because he's there for three years. So congratulations to Austin Eckler. And if you want to wait a second, how does that impact the Texans? Well, it uh, kind of doesn't, and it does indirectly. It might, depending on if the Texans are looking at running backs in this free agent class. Now you know the you kind of know the baseline of what contracts are going for. What Austin Eckler four years, twenty four and a half million dollars had a tremendous year in twenty nineteen, and he, I think I don't want to say hometown discount in some sense, but maybe got him on the cheap a little bit. Eight starts. Ran for 557 rushing yards, but here's the killer. He had 92 receptions for 993 receiving yards and eight touchdowns. Wow. That's an amazing year. So I think Chargers are kind of buying on the upswing with Austin Eckler. Good job for him uh, to be able to get that money and do something with it. Now, the uh, next piece of news comes from Tom Brady, and it's not what you would think. This is sort of two a two parter, if you will. This morning on Sirius XM NFL Radio, Charlie Weiss said he had spoken to Tom Brady, and he said, "I'm going to break some news." And here's the news: there is none, straight from Tom Brady's mouth. So I guess no news is news. I guess, anyways. With all the speculation, Tom Brady apparently told Charlie Weiss, "Nobody knows anything." Quote unquote. The only thing we truly know about Tom Brady at this point is the second part of the news is that he is launching a new quote-unquote content company. It will be called 199 Productions. You're like, wait a second. Where did that name come from? Well, keep in mind, Tom Brady was the 199th pick in the 2000 draft, and he is creating a studio production company and – and this is from the statement that came out. It will be a global multi-platform content company to develop original premium content, including documentaries, feature films, and television shows. His first project, a fast-paced documentary titled Unseen Football, will arrive via partnership with Avengers in-game directors Joe and Anthony Russo. Wow. So Tom Brady putting it out there, starting his own production company, and this will be in Los Angeles. Make of that what you will, but Tom Brady creating a a production company back in his home state. Now, he is from Northern California, not Southern California, but you can uh, take that for what it is. All right, your daily CBA update. The NFLPA announced today that they are keeping the window for voting open until Saturday, March 14th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. So 10.59 here, or once we get to 11 o'clock, we should know whether the CBA has been approved by the players. There's been some moving and shaking in the CBA discussion. Maybe not so much. Are the players saying yes? Are they saying no? You can read a lot of that stuff on Twitter, what players are saying no, which players are saying, yeah, I think it's a good deal. There's been, obviously, some resistance to it. The Steelers had resistance to it. But then you've seen plenty of players saying, yeah, I think it's a good deal. Nate Solder saying, hey, guys, I think this is a pretty good deal. I saw Jeremy Fowler from ESPN over the weekend say there are some owners saying that if this, they want this deal to get turned down by the players because then they will fire back, the owners will, with 18-game schedules. Which, whoa, okay. <laughs> Ooh, boy. Now, as I saw written many times, this is March 2020, not March 2021. So players could obviously say yes. No question. They could say yes. They would have a CBA. We'd avoid a lockout or a strike or whatever the case might be. But there's some, and some retired players too, saying, hey, wait a second, you don't, you don't have to say yes to this deal. You can negotiate a few things. If you want, hey, get a couple of these things changed, the biggest point of contention, it appears, is the 17-game schedule, as I think we all expected. And I think even more resistance to, hey, if we are going to play 17, then we need a bigger piece of the pie, if you will. So that is your daily CBA update. I mentioned earlier that the AFC South made a donation of $100,000 to help support. The Middle Tennessee communities that were impacted by the tornadoes that went through there last week. Just a tragic situation in Tennessee. Nationals were my favorite places to go and hated seeing that happen. Yeah, I don't like the Titans in a sports hate sort of way, but hate seeing that happen as they did with Hurricane Harvey with us. So there you go. A little bit around the NFL. We'll do more of that tomorrow as more things are happening leading up to the end of the 2019 League year. Big thanks to DP, to Drew, to Titan Amy, Amy Wells, to all of you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody, and as always, go Texans.